Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where our spirit is fed, our faith grows stronger, and I learn how to be an overcomer. And no matter what it is that you're dealing with today, or maybe you've dealt with something for a long time, for too long, still there is a way to overcome it. And the scripture said that the Lord, he, he will see to it when we look to him to show us the way out. He provides a way of escape that we, we can overcome. So get your Bible, get something to make a note with. Come on into the classroom. Uh, turn off all the other, uh, distractions and uh, don't try to multitask when you're doing this. Um, you can't really truly multitask. People pride themselves in being able to, and you'll find that what you're doing is you're, you can't do two things at once. What you can do is go back forth between them quickly. And depending on what's going on, when you're looking over here, you can miss something over here. That's just how it is. And you want to treat the Lord's things uh, as so important that you don't try to do other things while you're talking to Him or listening to Him. We live in a generation of the perpetually distracted. Uh, how many times have you had somebody trying, you're trying to talk to them and they're texting while they're trying to talk to you or they're trying to do three other things? Well, that's annoying whether they mean to or not, they're treating what you're saying as though it's not important enough for them to give it their full attention. Well, you know, with people, I don't know what they're saying, how important it is, but with God, what He has said is important enough for you to give Him your full attention. And all the class said, Amen. Amen. So please do that and you will get the most benefit out of it. Get your Bible, come on into the classroom, Let's release faith for today. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you glory for all you have done for us in Christ Jesus. You have bought and paid for every good thing. You have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, given us everything that pertains unto life and being like you, godliness. We, we ask for the utterance to see more. We ask for the grace to, to do more and to put it into practice. And we thank you for answers for today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Look please in our great textbook, the Bible, to Mark chapter 7, continuing in our study, uh, our series on faith for healing. And we're taking one by one these individual accounts of healing found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were down to number 11, the healing of the man uh, who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. In verse 31, 
Mark 7:31 said again departing from the coast of Tyre and Zidon he Jesus came into the sea of Galilee through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis and they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech and they beseech him to put his hand upon them again notice how much they helped the man right they helped get him to Jesus they besought Jesus on his behalf. You can see prayer here, can't you? Intercession and prayer. But don't assume that through prayer and intercession, you can receive something for somebody because that's crossing a line. Are y'all with me, class? Now, I've said it a couple of times, but the reason I keep saying it is because I have seen more than one person get mad and upset and leave church and quit praying because they tried to receive healing for a loved one, and it didn't turn out that way. Well, you cannot receive healing. No matter how much you love somebody, um, does God love people? Yes. Well, is it, is it really true that if He loved them enough, He'd make them receive Jesus? Well, no. You can't say that you love people more than He does. That's a lie. That's not true. It's just you don't understand some things. And you don't understand what kind of world and existence it would be without free will. We got no clue because we've always had it. I'm so thankful that our good Father God is who He is. Because if He was mean and cruel, there's nothing we could do about it. Y'all understand? And if that were the case, he'd have wiped us out a long time ago, <laughs> over and over again. But no, he doesn't want automatons. He doesn't want robots that just, you know, he flips a switch and they have to do what he wants to do. Because if that's the situation, you cannot have real love or real faith or real faithfulness or real obedience or real commitment Unless you got a choice. And God in His wisdom, how many agree He is wise? He knows what He's doing. In His great wisdom, He has ordained that He's not going to force anybody to choose and you can't. And so getting mad at Him because you tried to receive something for somebody and it didn't work is being foolish and acting ignorant of how things really are. God's a good God. You ought to be thankful that He's not an oppressor. <laughs> he doesn't make people do things. But coming back to the point, that doesn't mean you can't help people. You can help people a tremendous amount with your faith and with your prayer and with your faithfulness. But uh, uh, there came a point, can you see, where they got Him to Jesus, they besought the Lord for Him, and then they're out of the picture. The next verse is just him and Jesus. Can you see this? Because they've gone as far as they can go with this because this is his healing. This is his deliverance. They're out of the picture now. And uh, mamas, I know you love your babies, but it's true. You can't receive everything for your grown children, your, your adult children. Daddies, I know you do and your grandchildren, but you just can't do it. And getting mad at God is foolish. Stop that. Wake up. Grow up. <laughs> Learn. No, God's good. 
And uh, if somebody fails to receive when they should, like we said before, don't give up. Just go back to what you did. Pray again. Ask God to get into that place again. And uh, we've seen many of you and many of us, we didn't accept the Lord first time we heard the gospel. Or the 50th time. Right? People that grew up in church, some of them. And so uh, aren't you glad the Lord gave you another <laughs> opportunity? Even if it was time 173, aren't you glad? And so he did that for you. He'll do that for them. And as long as there's breath, there's hope. You just don't give up. You keep on endeavoring to help them to get there. But then it was just the man in Jesus. He, uh, he took him aside from the multitude. That included them, everybody. Took him aside from everybody. And now it's just him and Jesus. And you know, with everybody, there comes a point where that's what it comes down to. You, you must not just believe in your parents' God, in your denomination's God, in your church's God. You must not. There must come a time when He's your God. You get to know Him for yourself. And you're not trying to believe Him through other people's experiences. You're supposed to have experiences with God of your own. Of your own. You know, um, uh, when Jesus went and ministered uh, to the woman at the well of Samaria, and then she went back and, and, and told everybody she has found the sent one and what uh, the revelation and miracle that how he ministered to her. And then he came and ministered there, and a bunch of them believed. And then they said this, I thought, so outstanding. They said, uh, now we believe, not because of what you said. We have heard him for ourselves. <laughs> Hallelujah. It, doesn't that need to happen with everybody? Everybody. Every child. You know, there's a point. Yes, little ones should see God and get to know things about God through their godly mothers and their godly fathers and even godly older siblings. But there should come a point when they begin to know things for themselves and begin to discern between right and wrong and that kind of thing, where they get to know God for themselves. There comes a point where they reach out to Him, they believe on Him, and He will reveal Himself to them. Hallelujah. And then they'll know him, not because you said he was good. <laughs> they have heard him. Didn't the scripture say, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, if somebody keeps talking about some good cooking and good dish, I only want to hear that for so long. <laughs> right? They go, man, this is the great thing you ever, you ever heard of. Man, this is the best thing. Okay, I want to know for myself. Amen. Right? Amen. Let me, give me the spoon. Let me tell <laughs> There's a lot of things people can do for you, but there's a lot of things they can't. They do with you to help you, but they can't taste it for you. They can't receive it for you. They can't do those things that only you and God can do, you too. And so he took him aside and he put his fingers in his ears and he spit and touched his tongue. Go with me just over to the next page, this, uh, this eighth chapter. And we see that while this didn't happen every time, it did happen at least a couple of other times I'm aware of 
in the accounts. In 822, he came to Bethsaida. They bring a blind man to him and besought him to touch him. See again, they're, they're wanting him to touch him. Because of what? Well, you have to go back to what Jesus is even preaching. Uh, we have reason to believe that numerous times and places Jesus would take the, the passage in Isaiah and would read it where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He's anointed me. And Jesus would talk about that anointing. Why would you talk about it? Because faith comes by hearing. Right? How are you going to believe that anointing is here and you never heard about it? So, and then he would say, like, like we have passages that describe, today this scripture is fulfilled in your head. What does that mean? I'm here today. I'm anointed. The, this passage is talking about me here, now. And so if you believe in that anointing and that power, then you want to contact it. You want it to contact you when you find out what it will do. And the anointing destroys yokes and removes burdens and heals and delivers and makes whole. And so they want him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, then he ministered to him. We won't go into that. We'll study this one later. But we see again that he spit on him. And then in John uh, 9, uh, over there talking about the the blind man, it again says, 9-6, that when he had spoken, he spat on the ground, he made clay of the spittle, and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and then told him to go wash it off. So here's three instances where he either spit on people, or he spit and made clay and put it on them, or he spit and touched some part. Now, that just sounds entirely unsanitary to us. Uh, but, but, you got to remember who did it. Huh? This is not some wild-eyed preacher that don't know what he's doing. There, there's only one reason why the Lord would do this. He got this from the Spirit, from the Father. He saw himself doing this. Now, when and where he saw himself doing that, we don't know exactly, but Jesus prayed a lot. There are times we have in the scripture that record, he prayed all night long, all night long. And on one occasion, this occasion we're talking about, he prayed all night long, and then that next morning, he goes and chooses the 12 disciples. Wonder if that's connected. Oh, you know it is. You know it is. During that time of communing with the Father and the Spirit, He saw who to pick. He got it clear because why those 12? Is this important that you get this right, these 12? I mean, the book of Revelation says their names are written in the foundation of heaven. This is big. It's not something you'd want to get wrong. Right? How can you get it right? Only one way. Only one way. You hear from God. You know, even back in the Old Testament, David said in talking about building the temple of God, and it was to be amazing and magnificent, and he said that he got the pattern from God. And he wrote it down, the, the, uh, the drawings, the architecture of it, the engineering of it. 
He got it straight from it. Well, where did Moses get the instructions and pattern for the tabernacle? He got it from God, right? Can we still get things from God? Yes, yes we can. Yes, we can. You know, people mock about people hearing from God in modern times and suggest that they're mentally deficient and should receive institutional care because they are hearing God. <laughs> and yet, you got a book full of people that heard God. Is that right? I mean from cover to cover. Everything in here is about people who heard from God. And the Lord said, my sheep know my voice. Well, is there a voice? Is there a shepherd? Can we hear it? Can we know it? Say it out loud. I am his sheep. I am his sheep. And I know his voice. You see, you want to agree with him by faith, regardless of what you've experienced. I know somebody came to me some years ago and, and they were a, a person who'd been a believer for a long time and, and they were distraught and they said, Brother Keith, pray for me. I just, I can't seem to hear from God. I, I've done everything I know to do and I've prayed and I've fasted and I just can't hear God's voice. I just can't. And in the, in the 15 minute conversation, they must have said it 30 times. I can't hear God's voice. I can't hear. I can't hear. And I finally I said, wait, wait. I said, uh, will you do just one thing? They said, well, yeah, yeah, if I can. If it'll... I said, quit saying you can't hear God's voice. They started to say, well, but, but I can't. I said, yeah, but he said you could. And see, now you've got a choice to make. Yeah, but I know I can't. So you know better than him. Can you see there's more going on here than ignorance? There's argumentative. There's defiance. No, if the Lord says, I'm his sheep, then I'm his sheep. Class, are you in agreeing too? If he says, I can hear his voice, I can hear his voice. Come on, everybody said out loud, I am his sheep. I know his voice. I hear his voice. He leads me and I follow him. Now you don't need to try to hear audible voices. That's not what he's talking about. God is spirit. Now he could speak to you in what would seem to you to be audible, even loud. He could. That's not normally how he communes with us. But uh, you know, the prophet talked about the still, small voice. Should we pay attention to that? And so he's inside us. It's not like we have to go out here trying to find something. If his spirit is in us, I mean in the same vessel as our spirit, we live in the same room, then why couldn't what he wants to commune to me just come from here to here to my awareness of my mind and understanding. You know, if my mind was in your head with your mind, we don't want that, but <laughs> you don't want it, we don't want it. But if it was, I wouldn't even have to speak to communicate with you. Right? Because my mind is in the same space with your mind and I could think something and you'd know it even without spoken words. Well, that's what we need to wake up to 
is that the greater one lives inside of us, the Holy Spirit. And the scripture said in Romans 8 that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit, that we're the children of God. That is, he's letting me know I am a child of God and I belong to God. Well, if he can let me know that, he can let me know something else, right? He's communicating with me. And, and it goes on to say, then as many as are led by the Spirit, they're the sons of God. So let people scoff and mock if they want to. Uh, like one fellow said, he said, uh, this, this one guy said sarcastically, all these people hearing from God bothers me. And this other guy said, well, it's all these people that never hear from God that bother me. <laughs> do we need to hear from God? And then do we need to pay attention? Yes, we do. So how he ministered had to be in direct uh, response to the Spirit of God on him. And like he said, the Father speaking to him and the Father showing him things. So he is... Uh, he would pray, he'd wait on God, sometimes all night long, and he would see things. He'd see himself doing things. No doubt that night we're talking about specifically that he said he prayed all night. It came up in his spirit uh, that he needed to appoint 12. Why not 13? <laughs> Why not 50, right? Well, there are 12 tribes and there's any number of things, but that's, that's what it was. And so, okay, who? Because there were a number of followers, number of disciples around. Why? And, and this is something you cannot, as a human, just use your knowledge and make the correct choice every time. There's just too much you don't know. It's, you don't know what these people are going to develop into 20 years from now or 100 years from now. You don't know the future. So how in the world could you get it right? You can't get it right with your analysis. The only way you can get it right is for someone who knows the end from the beginning and people's hearts to tell you, pick that one <laughs> and that one and that one and that one. And so no doubt he saw himself doing that. And the next morning he just got up and went and did it and told him you and you and you and you and where's so-and-so get them here, them and the twelve. He told them that they were to have this place of following close with him and, and being these apostles of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Which they still are to this day. And so the same thing happened here that he, he, he must have. And it could have happened right there when they brought the man up to Jesus that he saw himself take him by the hand, lead him out. Could have happened right then. And um, it could have happened. And I'm saying this because of some small experience in the Spirit myself. It could have happened that when the man came up, he was prompted to take him away from the crowd. But that might have been all he had right then. But then when he got him away from the crowd, then he also saw, I need to put my fingers in his ear. <laughs> right? Can you see that? And he, just, and he just acted in faith on what he was shown to do and prompted to do. And so he put his fingers in the man's ears and he spit and touched his tongue. So we talk about this, the spit thing. What, why would you do that? And on yesterday's class, I, I mentioned that the Lord pointed out to me just recently, uh, 
there's that when uh, even today when people want to get a DNA sample, a lot of times what they'll do they want to swab your mouth. What do they What do they want? Spit, spit, saliva, whatever. Uh, why? Because they can get your DNA. Well, so Jesus' DNA was in this spit. He didn't have an earthly father. His DNA is perfect. <laughs> are, are y'all listening? And when I see that, I think, Jesus, you could spit on me <laughs> anytime. <laughs> is that right? Anytime. Right? Because this, this has got nothing to do with, with unclean. This has to do with the generation of matter. Um, something need to happen, needed to happen in John 9. Jesus spit in, in the dirt and made clay, it said, of the spittle. This is reminiscent of the creation of man in the beginning. I mean, this goes right back to Genesis account that God formed the man out of the dust of the earth and, and form has to do just like a sculptor with clay. That's exactly the picture that's portrayed, squeezing it into a form and into a shape. And so your body right now is made out of the same substance that's in the soil. That's verified. And uh, let's say this man in John 9, let's say something is missing in his eyes. Maybe there's some parts of the eyeball or, or whatever. It's just not even there. He was born without it. It needs to be created. Could it be created just with a speaking to it? I suppose it could. I'm sure it could. But there's something called the working of miracles. Have you heard that? 1 Corinthians 12. What does that mean, working of miracles? You remember Moses, used, that rod was involved. You remember that? He, he did things with that rod. And, and there was a time when there was poison in the pot and they, they put some meal or flour into it. Uh, why these material things? There's a lot we don't know. So just do what the Lord said. And so something was, whatever wasn't there was obviously created and it came into being. And we just need to know that the same God that formed man's body in the beginning, he can fix it. Amen. I don't care if it takes a substantial overhaul of 70% of your internal organs. Come on, are y'all with me? If it takes a recreation of part of your brain, part of your eyeball, part of your eardrum, whatever it is, God can do it. Somebody say, God can do it. God, God can do it. All things are possible with God, but the other phrase says, all things are possible to him that believes. Is believing a factor? It is. It is. Which is why we keep saying it, seeing it over and over again in these accounts. Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. As you have believed, so be it done to you. Even though... Faith and anointing and power was involved. Faith was the thing that gave action to it and caused it to manifest and come to pass. Said out loud, I believe, I believe. and all things are possible, all 
all things are possible. When I believe God. Anything can change. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Our time's up again today. But as you can see, we're not done. Come back tomorrow for some more here in Faith School. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.